programme is called Something for the Weekend. It has been created and produced by Dave Clark. It is a How production for Sound Art Radio. Well, 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 it certainly is a bit parky today. Oh, my lord. Anyway, nice and sunny. Uh, yep, so we're off to the Ocean City again. So that's uh, Plymouth. Uh, yeah, we're going to hospital. Oh dear, going to hospital. But actually, not a bad thing because I'm not going to, uh, you know, have an operation or, or outpatients or anything like that. I'm going to go and meet Gary, um, Gary Minto. Now he's an anaesthetist. Uh, the weird thing is, I've I've met a few anaesthetists in my life, and uh, they're they're all a bit odd. It's got to be said. But um, you know, it's not surprising because they deal with, well, they deal with the unconscious. Well, and the conscious, of course. Um, so what do they say about that? They say, we know how to put people to uh, a state of unconsciousness and we know how to bring them back, but we don't really know what it is. So we, we don't know, we know what unconsciousness is. We, we don't know what conscious, I sound a bit like Donald Rumsfeld. There are no unknown consciousnesses. So we know how to do something that we don't know very much about. So um, I'll ask Gary a few questions about that. So it should be quite interesting, you know, the the whole kind of mystery of it all. So um, let's go and find out. So here we are at the old multi-storey car park. Better uh, concentrate. Got some kind of weird chip coin here. Bitcoin maybe. Could be worth ten thousand dollars in a few years. Anyway, I feel like um, I've probably elevated a fair few thousand feet. You know, been going up and up and up. You do these multi-story car parks. It's weird. You kind of go up and up and up, and then you walk out and you're at street level. Never kind of, never quite worked that one. I'm trying to meet uh, a gentleman called Gary Minto, who works here. Right. Um, but I don't, he did give me, he, I, I haven't brought the instructions with me. Okay. Anesthetics consultant? Yeah, Gary that's right, Minto. yeah. And what's your name, please? It's Dave Clark. Seen him. We uh, we make contact. Hello, mate. You're right. I completely kind of completely forgot where I was going, and you did you know. um, did you not have my number either? 
No, I didn't have your number. Disaster. Yeah, oh, is main reception. He's gone to tour bay. He's the other. Yeah, he's at the other main reception. <laughs> <laughs> There's no. a DD reception. I think if you have, if you keep the faith, then these things kind of work out. So here we are, in main, the hospital corridor. Yeah, main um, concourse of the theatre. Yes. So the actual theatres themselves, there's a little door in the wall just down there. And right. There's 14 theatres in there. 14. Hey, Mr. March back, how are That's you? It's amazing. Very good, thanks Yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah. Imminent cardiac surgeon. I've looked at your document. I'm, well, I'm, I want to respond to all the points. What's your main angle? Do you want the cardiac guys to see it faster, or do you generally not know if it helps? I think, I think so a man uh, with his finger on the pulse. Um, oh, he's brilliant. So he's, he's fantastically good heart and lung surgeon, but obviously focuses on the lungs. So is this your domain? This is my clinic room. So I do this. I do this probably more than anyone else in the country because I like doing it. But the main job of a you know, consultant anaesthetist is yeah. to be in theatre anaesthetising people for their operations. And yeah. then what's happened in the last 10, 15 years is we've started doing a lot of this where we meet the patients before they come for the operations and test whether they should come for the operations. Meet the fuckers. We meet the fuckers. <laughs> yeah. We prefer to call them punters, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. so have a seat. So, is it, it's, um, so do you find your work a bit of a gas? Sometimes. So, am I going to get my kit off now and and prance around naked or? It's not naked. No. <laughs> well, I'll set you. I'll set up the exercise bike, and then what we'll do is what we do on our patients. Like yeah. Through from what what we do these tests if people are having the kind of surgery that might create a big demand on their yeah. body. Okay. Because the way that surgery works is. Most little surgeries are just a case of the surgeon doing the operation properly. Yeah. You know, there's not much healing that your body's got to go through. So as long yeah. as they get the technical details right, something you know, things like middle ear surgery or taking a lump off your head. Yes. You know, the, the outside of your head. Yes. Or you've got a hernia, they stitch that up. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. That's minor surgery. Your body doesn't need a lot of healing. Sure. Overdrive to get through that. But if you're looking at operations that need a lot of healing overdrive, so yeah. anything kind of two hours or longer, yeah. particularly if it's inside your trunk, Yes, that's going to have a lot of stitch lines and a lot of incisions or cut lines. Yeah, And your body's going to need to heal around all those things. Yeah. So what your body does is much like when your body exercises. It circulates more oxygen in the bloodstream I to see. the healing area. Yeah, And if you're good at doing that, yeah. you're less likely to get complications. Yeah, got but it. The thing about the surgery is if, if you compare it to going for a run, if you go for a run and you're finding it difficult, you can stop. If you go into theatre under an anaesthetic and have surgery, the surgery continues till the end. Yeah. And then they wake you up again and then you go through the healing phase and obviously yeah. you can't stop it. No. So if you go into that without actually being very good at getting oxygen around your body, you're at very high risk of not healing properly. Yeah. And then you go, that stitch line that you're meant to be healing around, you haven't healed around it. It's yeah. got infected, yeah. now it's leaking, now you've got bowel contents leaking freely in your abdominal cavity. Yeah. That happens to about one in 20 patients, yeah. but it probably happens much more if those patients that are having the surgery are not actually that good at the healing process. Sure. So we can pick that up before the operation yeah. by getting the guys to cycle for about six minutes on an exercise bike. And we do it in a certain way 
to gradually creep up the workload on their heart and lungs. Yep. Because what we don't want, obviously, is people going at a hell for leather and collapsing on there. You don't want them to avoid the operation altogether by dying on you. Yeah, we want <laughs> that's not a pathway we want to go down. That's not a, that's not a medical pathway. In the, the NASH, the NHS, the system's still set up to favour the patients. So we try and do whatever seems uh, to be the best thing available. It's good to actually work out whether people are fit enough to I, have I feel surgery. I feel like I'm in a I feel like I'm in front of a doctor. You are. Yeah, I know, but I feel like you know that thing where you go in and they say sit down and you've got to say what's wrong with you. You know, do you know that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so I'll get I feel up when I speak to psychiatrists. I always think are they are they watching how I speak? Are they analyzing? Do they know something about yeah. me? Yeah. Well, sometimes I feel a bit weird when I walk in front of people. I feel like I can't even walk properly. If I feel like I'm being looked at, I feel like I'm, I walk a bit sort of Oh really? Yeah. So like you're not, not a natural performing runner. You can. <laughs> is that why you swim? Because most of your body's underwater. Yeah, I think it probably is. It's like an iceberg thing. <laughs> <laughs> Although you are in speedo briefs, so maybe. Yeah. Well, I've changed those recently. But no, I, but I feel like I'm, you know, kind of here, and I've got to tell you that, that um, you know. What, tell I'm, me about yourself. Yeah, I've got like an inflamed nodule. No, no, well, please don't. Don't tell me. That. <laughs> I mean, do you? No, I don't. Is that no. why you're actually... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, it's a long route around the fact that yeah. I've got piles and... Uh, well, you know, we call it door handle syndrome as doctors, is that when 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 you sit down with patients, yeah, they call it door handle syndrome, where people will come in, have a chat with you for about 10 minutes, yeah. and then as they leave with their hand on the door, ah. they tell you what the real reason yeah. for the outcome is. That's interesting. Door handle syndrome. Mm. White coat hypertension. That's like Columbo syndrome, isn't it? Yes. Just one more thing. One more thing. Yeah. I've actually... Catches people off guard. Yeah. 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 So we don't try and do it. I mean, there are clinic skills. Like, what you can do is, is keep the room quite cold. Yeah. Some doctors prefer not to have chairs in the room. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's like music nice. at McDonald's. You know, just... You, 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 you're the way that the NHS works now is that the appointments for GPs are so short that they have got seven and a half minutes on average to see a patient. Yeah. So if you've got someone complicated with something complicated and it takes you half an hour to sort that out, you are four patients' clinic appointments behind. I suppose you can make it much faster by just making sure there's no seats and as soon as the patient comes in, just say, can you please leave? Tell and then as do. soon as they reach the door, they say, actually, the real reason we're here is because... Yeah. So you're actually cutting it down from seven minutes to about 30 seconds. So you could just get people to grip yeah. the door straight away. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> well, no, what I'm going to do with you in a moment, yeah. Dave, is, yeah. is get you to do a um, incremental or ramp cardiopulmonary exercise test. Okay. Just like we do for the patients. Yeah. And in fact, just like they do for athletes. Yeah. So we do submaximal tests in okay. general. And what we do is we look for the point when people are exercising where they start becoming anaerobic. Okay. Because that tells us the point where they've run out of oxygen delivery. Now, th I need to ask you about anaerobic because basically I'm making some sauerkraut at the moment. And that, I think, is anaerobic as well. As I because in order, cause it's a build-up of lactic acid, is it not? Correct yes. me. Because that so when you make fermented foods, you basically... Is there a lot of lactic acid in yeah, it? Yeah, because that's why it's sour. Well, that doesn't make sense. Because it's not sour because you add vinegar. You basically 
the cabbage is underwater yeah. and it starts to ferment. Yeah. But it ferments in an anaerobic way. Yeah. Without oxygen. Yeah. And it creates acid, which is the and sour. And what's happening there is you're getting anaerobic bacteria that are on there. They're the eating, good e the good eating on the cabbage or whatever yeah, it is. That's right. And cabbage. turning it into yeah. lactic. So how does that work in a, in, a, in a man muscle? Uh, not even, sorry, that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> in a human being's uh, muscular tissue thing. Should get on and do your test. Yes, first, okay. unless I was going to appear in here in a moment. Oh and come God. Do that afternoon clinic. So okay. we'll get the seat height right first. So just try a spin. See if your knees feel right or not. The Velcro's won't hold your feet, by the way. They're just they're kind for of fun. It's decoration. Okay. Well, yeah, right? I feel really comfortable. I feel like Putin actually, bare chested on a on a stallion. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're on the horse. Yeah, stop now. That, that was that was just your checking your um checking your, your seat height. Okay. So you're doing a clinical exercise test okay. or a ramp test. So what will happen is you'll have a couple of minutes of resting. We'll take resting measurements. Okay. And then you will start cycling at a constant rate of about 70 revs per minute, if that feels comfortable for you. Yeah. And then you just keep going at that same rate. Yeah. But a hill will start, and the hill will get gradually steeper and steeper and steeper. I'll just so these pads, where are they going? Are they specific, or are you just like randomly? Oh, you just ran. <laughs> are you just randomly sticking them on my torso? What do you think? I think you're randomly sticking them on my torso. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now these things are looking at your heart from specific directions. Oh, okay. Are you taking those deep breaths just to calm your nerves down? No. Is I mean, if I was here your for pre-race conditioning. If I was here for. Um, you know, medical reasons, I'll probably be really anxious now. Well, we see people's heart rates and blood pressures a lot higher right now yeah. than, than they usually are. Because I'll be thinking, oh, gold. Because people like, are nervous. And yeah. actually, we have to reassure, because, you know, we get lots of 90-year-olds. Yeah, I think yeah, the oldest person I've tested on you has been about 98. Yeah, oh, gold. Is that people are obviously really nervous. And yeah, yeah. It, it's quite interesting. When we first started doing it 10, 15 years ago, Yeah. You would write back to a surgeon to say, look, this patient that you want to do such and such an operation on, we've had them on the exercise bike. And I go, Christ, you put them on an exercise bike. And you say, mate, you're going to be yeah. cutting the person up for yeah. two hours. You know, yeah. Yeah, in, come on. in terms of relative demand, yeah. what do you think is the bigger thing? Yeah, exactly. But initially, people just didn't get it. Patients didn't get it. Surgeons didn't get it. So, Gosh. finger. Which one? Anyone? Anyone. Anyone will do so it. So that checks oxygen in the bloodstream. Okay. And then the way that we check your oxygen delivery is mask on the mouth and nose. Oh yeah. So this might make you feel a bit claustrophobic when it goes on. It it is basically yeah. Without the ball. Hannibal Lecter. I don't know what that ball's for. Is it? What to soak in amyl nitrate? Yeah. Mouthpiece. Okay. Okay. So now this is the resting phase. Yeah. And you just have about a minute like this, while we do resting measurements, that's your heartbeat. 118 over 76, now that is really low. In other words, very calm and cool. Because okay. most people, shoots up. And your blood oxygen saturations are 98%, which is completely normal. Right, so oh, you yeah. get yourself going, pick a rate that you like. Or like, sort of, just like a, sort of like cycling down to the shop kind of thing. Yeah. So we Some tell our patients to go at 60-ish, and you're going at 70. Fine, and that's yeah. fine. Just keep that going on 76. Just keep that going. Yeah. Oh, look, so I've been blown up again. Shifted down my arm a bit. I don't know. I might be getting an elbow reading. Let's see what your elbow says. 
might start speaking with a slightly Mancunian accent. So now you're at 100 watts, you probably still don't feel like you're putting any exertion in, but that, for most of our patients, and this is people between the age of 40 up to 95, yeah. this is about as much as we ask people to do. They build up to this over quite a few more minutes than you just have, yeah. and we look at the patterns of heart performance and lung performance and overall oxygen delivery. So you probably looking at your test, it's not absolutely certain, but you may well have just passed your anaerobic threshold. Okay. I don't feel like I have. There's no, no like no colour, no lights came on or anything. And the best way to check if someone's gone past their anaerobic threshold just to look at whether they start using their shoulders on the bike. Oh, right. Because if you're anaerobic, you start pulling. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Body language. Yeah, well, it's, it's like we, at, at Dereford, they did a study called Early Bird. You've probably got about a minute to go, Dave. Just keep yourself going. I'll tell you about Early Bird shortly. It's, it's about picking up when people are still young kids, whether they're likely to turn diabetic when they get older. Okay. Now, do you want me to push you to your maximum, or do you just want to get the kind of the approximate experience of doing one of these? No, you can just take it a little higher, <laughs> Mr. Bond. <laughs> no, Mr. Clark, I expect <laughs> you to die. So I'm not a diagnostic genius, but it looks to me like you're starting to yeah. feel it. Yeah, weirdly, I can diagnose that. When you start really flagging, just push it a bit faster because that keeps you going a bit longer. So don't do that yet, but you, know, oh. you find yourself flagging. I've got to pretend to be Mo Farrow. Yeah. Do that slingshot for the final lap. Oh, yeah. No, keep at it, keep at it. If you do it just another 20 seconds, you'll have passed 200 watts. Makes like a pissing light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you have passed the point where people warm up in the gym, by the way. swimming for you. Only the genuinely bloody minded Ooh. can do this. It's swimming. Yeah. It hurts. You keep going. But it hurts as much as this and you keep going? No. Come on, another 30 seconds. Okay. Good man, keep at it, keep at it. 20 seconds more. And five, four, three, Two, one, don't stop there, just warm down over about a minute. Ooh. The resistance is going off the pedals, it'll feel a lot easier. But just keep your legs turning. 
and you can warm down over as long a period as you like, Dave, because it's better for your leg muscles. We always tell our patients, though, keep cycling for a bit, because if you stop dead, the blood pulls in your legs and you faint. That's probably why we've lost one or two Temporary. off the bike. Yeah. I mean, absolutely everyone that's had the test here has been fine afterwards. Uh. Right, so you can slow yourself down and go at any speed you like from now. And now I'm watching your heart rate recovery, and you obviously can hear that on that. But that's your heart settling back down to normal rate as well. Right. So, so, Mr. Clark. Yeah, well, I think I can smell burning. I think I've just broken your bike. It's £40,000 worth of. No, was it four thousand? No, thirty-five thousand. Thirty-five thousand pounds. But you know what happens is if we—it sounds costly—but if we sit down with a patient and work out that the the risks to them of having surgery are just too immense, and it's not just whether the surgery will work or not; it's also yep. obviously whether. They will heal after the operation. Yeah, 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 yeah. If they end up with a situation where they've got leaks and infections, they're actually far worse than they were before the surgery. Yeah. And it might take months or even it might kill them. And if people do take those months of complications, that costs the Nash about £40,000. So if you are able to save one person that misery in the course of a year, you paid for the bike each year. Right, I'll zip out and get you a bit of water if you like. Yeah, go on. Whew! There we go. Find out what all that means in a minute. Well, it means I'm knackered, but apart from that, we'll find out. And it also means that Gary found out I was wearing long johns. And a bra. Never mind. So I'll give you your test results. Oh, yeah. But if we whip through your exam here, and this is what we do in real time with our patients as well, is we get people to you know sit down, yeah, uh, oh, get, get 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 their water into them, oh, yeah. get the fan going. Yeah. So this is you. Yeah. Where I can't see it. Oh, I see. Yeah, a whole lot. So that thing there is what's called an exercise ECG. Each of those spikes is a beat of your heart. Okay. Because your heart beats by discharging electricity through oh, itself okay. from a pacemaker. Like it. Yeah. So what I do on here is blow up whichever one I want to look at in more detail. Yeah. It's usually by convention, this one, V5, because that's that one. It looks straight up the heart. And okay. It sees the most heart muscle. Yeah. So it's the most sensitive for picking up starvation of oxygen because yeah. it's looking at the biggest part of heart muscle. Yeah. That pattern is not suggesting any ischemia at all. So these bands are the predicted maximum for a man in his mid-50s. Uh, okay. Brown band there is predicted maximum heart rate, and yep. most importantly, that is predicted maximum heart strength. And can you see you've gone beyond that? I see, yes. Substantially beyond that. Yes. And then you flatten off because the human heart just can't do any better than that. No. So you can't keep improving the output from your heart because the heart's at maximum stretch. Yeah, okay. So you've got a heart that goes way beyond maximum. Therefore, Dave the Cow is probably a very appropriate. Dave the Cow? Yeah, yeah a, like a, a moniker, because you've got the, the heart of, a, of an ox. The heart of a cow. Dairy, a dairy cow. <laughs> Frisian, yeah. yeah.
the teats of a cow. Udders of a cow. So that's your cardiac performance yeah. in a nutshell. Very, very good. Yeah. Your lung efficiency is just normal. It's not hypernormal. No. You know, because you're such a good swimmer, I would expect potentially to see incredibly good lung efficiency. Yeah. But yours is normal. It's like mine. Yeah. So when I say efficiency, I mean how well you, your lungs get gas from themselves in and out of the bloodstream. Yeah. And yours is normal. You have to shift 32 liters of air in order to clear one liter of carbon dioxide. Eee. But where you really win is this is your cardiac stroke volume. Okay. And you're 143% predicted. Okay. Whereas this is your lung efficiency where yep. you're 81% predicted. So you're in the normal range for lung efficiency. Yep. You're hyper normal for heart performance. Yeah, interesting. So it's all coming from the heart. In your case, yes. Interesting. Yes, it is. But it's a more complicated story even than that because there's a certain bloody-mindedness that some people have and to keep going at peak heart effort like you did for a, another couple of minutes is, is bloody-mindedness and lactate tolerance. Most people couldn't do that. That's that sort of mind, when you, that's mind over, ma mind over matter. So yeah, well done you. In fact, in terms of anaerobic threshold, I'm just vaguely curious. I haven't done my own for a while. Obviously we're comparing a younger man against a 10 years older man here, but my results, what were you, 130 odd, I think? Something like that, yeah. I, I'm 128. About the same. Yeah, snap. Well, my heart performance isn't up to your lofty 135 odd. So we're playing anaerobic snap. My lung performance is better, because look at me, I've got the lungs of a pigeon. So I'm a good runner because I've got long legs, like giant, like a, like a giant Swiss Army knife, like kind of long inspector gadget legs. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. pigeon chest. Yeah, yeah. You're a good swimmer because you're bloody minded with a um, powerful heart. And have you got one of those weird appendages that comes out that nobody knows what it's for? Like a Swiss Army knife, I mean. <laughs> you know, Thanks for getting stones out of shoes. Yeah, that's what people say. <laughs> yeah. Specifically horseshoes, I mean. Right, that's us. So how did you get into this, um, how did you get into all this uh, anaesthesia stuff? I mean, did you sort of, when, when Genuine answer? Well, when you were a small boy, did you people just say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you just say, I want to be a train driver, or did you say, I want to actually be an anaesthetist? No, I said I wanted to be a doctor, because oh, um, okay. I mean, obscurely, uh, when I was a kid of about four, I remember watching Black Beauty, and the, the guy that owned Black Beauty. It's a vet, that uh, So it was that, like, that was, that was first, because no one in my family that's a doctor. Yeah. But it just it sounded like quite, quite yeah. a nice thing. And then our local GP, when I was a teenager, uh, you know, she seemed really nice. We yeah. knew her socially, and uh, I thought it was quite a good thing to do. I never really focused on what doctors actually did when they were in their no. consulting rooms. No, no. You kind of know how to get people un out of consciousness. Yeah. You don't really know what, what exactly what you're doing. So it's, it's like we know we know how the doses work. It's like yeah. driving a car. You yeah. know how to, to get behind the steering wheel, yeah. press accelerator, yeah. and brakes, and all that. Yeah. But most people couldn't tell you what's going on under the hood. Okay. It's the same. We know how much to give, how it yeah. works, what it looks like when it's not enough, what yeah. it looks like when it's too much. We know yeah. all that. We yeah. just couldn't open up the hood of, say, what's of the brain no, and no. tell you exactly where it's working. But where where do people go? I mean, it's very different to sleep. So where what's it the what's the difference? Uh, what is their brain signal? Well, so if I was asleep, I'd have a brain signal with all that you know, REM and all that kind of stuff. What about if I was like anaesthetized, what would my brain signal? Slow, so it slows right down as people 
become unconscious with anesthesia, right. and they basically have much more delta wave activity and much, much, much less alpha and beta wave activity. And then as they make the transition back to being more awake again, so the alpha and beta wave frequency starts picking up. But then what, could you go like beyond delta wave? Yeah, no cortical activity. Yeah, that's yeah. not good, is it? Yeah, you don't want to stay there too long, <laughs> no. So back to consciousness. Yeah. So um, you could put a, you could get my my cat, for example. It's called the Teats. Could you put her? You could make her unconscious. Yeah. So that. Be careful, because there's certain drugs that humans we use every day in here that okay. kill cats. Yeah. Well, yeah. We obviously need great care, but yeah. would. Um, does that imply? I mean, it does. What's the difference between self-consciousness and consciousness? Self-consciousness is <laughs> when, when, when you're aware that people are watching you walk from behind. <laughs> but I mean, so but if you're if an animal's got consciousness, does it mean that it is aware? Uh, well, yeah, presumably. So what I'm trying to get is this uh, this whole idea of sentient beings. What does that mean? Do you know what a sentient being is? Yeah, a being that kind of is self-aware and, yeah. and feels. So it's mostly about feeling, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, a, a Buddhist I was listening to the other day said that all and all life was sentient. But I'm just sort of wondering about the difference between, say, a cat, a human, a cat, and a worm. Say, could you put, could you anaesthetize a worm? Have you tried it? Certainly not tried it. That was a How production for Sound Art Radio. For more details, please visit soundartradio.org.uk. I am the How.co.uk. And thanks for listening.